Then God said, but then God, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and, the, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Maybe I'll try that again. Thank you, Brandon. That was great. Um, what a what a good passage that is. It's a it's a classic one that we we go to and, and, and look at and think about. So thank you. It's uh, sometimes I think we kind of oversimplify things uh, in terms of our how we live out our, our faith. Uh, yes, it is simple, but. Somebody said to me once, you know, have you ever thought about Jesus and how he picked up the disciples and especially the apostles? And, and it's almost like, you know, Jesus was in a bus driving over the hill. The next thing he comes along to the bus stop and there's 12 guys and he says, okay, guys, get in and off we go. But of course, it wasn't like that, was it? And one of the things that I think comes out, as I've said in the notes in the newsletter, is that Jesus was very intentional about what he was doing. And we know that from what he said and the prayers that he prayed. And, and he said that he was going about the business of his father. And that's what he was doing. And we see that when he was connecting with the disciples and when he was choosing the apostles, he was very intentional once again about, about making that choice, being responsible with that choice. Uh, and he prayed about it. So as we look at discipleship, I think there's two things that we can see immediately that are part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. The first thing is that there is a command. And the second part of it, which we sometimes forget, is it comes with benefits. Sometimes we would like to have the benefits of being a disciple, without putting in the work. Um, at other times, discipleship is sometimes presented to churches in such a way that it feels onerous. You think, do I really have to? It's like the, the, the woman on TV selling the ad for ing, for I-N-G, <laughs> and she's pushing her way through and, and she says, you know, it's really easy, it's easy, easy, but you've got to, you've got to buy the art, you've got to have the, the artwork as well. And the woman says, do we really have to? And sometimes discipleship feels a little bit like that as well. We, we package everything into a course um, and it's, it's, it becomes laborious. And we look at all these things that we have to do and these KPIs, these key performance indicators that we have to meet. And we see from the banks that KPIs are not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> it can get you in a bad place if that's all you concentrate on. And the same is true for discipleship. If doing a course and then another course and another course is all that we do, we're locked into KPIs and we feel bad about it and we become burdened by it. But much rather to be in a situation like Jesus, where he says, Jesus, what do you want me? Uh, he says, Father, what do you want me to do? And we see him not only obeying the command to touch 
the nations, to touch his nation at that time. But we also see the benefits of it. The benefits that flow, first of all, to other people who were healed and brought into the kingdom. But there were also benefits for Jesus as well, as his father cared for him in the midst of sometimes very hard times. So as, as discipleship is a command, first of all. As Christian and ministry leaders, we talk a lot about discipleship. We say we need to make disciples. We quote Matthew 28, 18 to 20 about as often as we stir our coffee. But what does it really mean? How can we live out the commands that Jesus had for us in Scripture? And just as just a refresher, you know, Jesus told his followers, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. So there's a mentoring relationship, if you like, going on there. The disciples couldn't have gone out without having been mentored closely by Jesus. That was Jesus' intention. But the disciples also needed to have the heart to be discipled. And sometimes that can take a shift, can't it? Theologian and author Neil Cole, who often writes in the area of discipleship, he says, ultimately, each church will be evaluated by only one thing, its disciples. Your church is as good as its disciples. It does not matter. We may or may not agree with him here, but I'm quoting Neil Cole. He says, it does not matter how good your praise, preaching, programs, or property are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumerist, and are not moving in the direction of obedience, then your church is not in a good situation. Ephesians 4, 11 to 12 tells us, So Christ gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service, in brackets, discipleship, reaching out, going, sharing the gospel, so that the body of Christ, the church, may be built up. Discipleship is an important part of any church. And there's a cost to discipleship. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's what it means to be a disciple. It's someone who follows Jesus. We are a follower. Dr. J. Cook, who's an author and a Baptist pastor in the US, says frequently, says Jesus frequently challenged people to commit to discipleship. And I believe he still does today. And Cook says this, he says, a believer may or may not attend church regularly, or study the Bible, or pray consistently, or give tithes and offerings. A believer may or may not have allowed Jesus to transform him. But a disciple is someone who is fully committed to Jesus. Jesus is not a part of his life. Jesus is the absolute essential core of his life. 
And if you haven't reached that place, I pray that you will experience that total giving over to Jesus and what he desires for us to do. Not only because it's a command, but also because there are huge benefits for you and I as we do that. The New South OCT Baptists had an official statement on developing a disciple-making culture. Uh, that was outlined in 2016. And it says, admirers of Jesus are hard to motivate and keen to be constantly entertained. Only real followers of Jesus will go the distance and make a lasting impact on the world. And isn't that what we want to do? We are not only looking at what Jesus has commanded us to do. We are not only looking for the fact that there is a benefit. There are benefits in being a disciple. But we want to touch the world. I've been on an advisory board with the New South Wales Baptists on the area of, of discipleship. And it's been a pleasure to be with people who have the same mindset who really care that Baptist churches throughout this state will reach out, that people will mentor each other, and that we will rise to go beyond the walls of the church. Our church here in Erin highlights the importance of discipleship with our own vision and mission statements. This is who we are. This is what we say we are. Not simply because some management group decided that this should be so, but because Jesus made it a priority. And if we claim to be followers of Jesus, and we do, then this is what it should look like. Bill Hull has also been well known for writing and teaching on discipleship making. And he's written quite a lot of books. He says, God's primary plan for the church is for disciples of Jesus to develop other men and women into discipleship. There is probably no other more primary matter of negligence in churches today than our failure to follow the Lord's command to develop disciples. And because of this gross negligence, many Christians think of themselves as an audience to be entertained rather than an army ready to march. Discipleship must function as the heart of the church's ministry. And I'm not saying that other things that we do are not important. Because, of course, we read in the Bible that not only are the elders and leaders of the church to help people to, to grow up in whatever tasks uh, are required in the church according to their gifting. But it's, it's true that, that whatever our gifting is, if we're to claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, then we will follow Jesus. We will have a, an outworking of that. We will function in discipleship. Not just in, yes, we agree that discipleship is important, but we will be 
disciples. William Barclay also <laughs> said this once. He said it's possible to be a follower of Jesus without being a disciple. To be a camp follower without being a soldier of the king. To be a hanger-on in some great work without pulling one's weight. And once, someone who was talking to a great scholar about a younger man, and he said, well, so-and-so tells me that he was one of your students. And the teacher answered, and this is devastating, he may have attended my lectures, but he was never actually one of my students. <laughs> uh, there is a world of difference between attending lectures and being a student. And Barclay says, it is one of the supreme handicaps of our church that in the church there are so many distant followers of Jesus and so few real disciples. It's perhaps easy to feel that living as a fully committed disciple is a burden, like I said earlier. We might even feel pressured. And I've been in some places, I've been in some churches, where the pressure is put on. And I think that's unholy. But nevertheless, there is a requirement. But I think that we need to understand that God wants good things for our lives. We are, after all, the people who are messengers, the Bible says. We are the carriers of good news. And good news should not only be a delight to share, but it should be good news to us as we share it. And in fact, we will find that it is if we do that. God's suggestions are good. His commands are good. In the Ten Commandments, for example, they're not meant to be a burden to oppress us. They're meant to protect us. They're meant to liberate us. And we also look at, for example, at these verses. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all the things that God works for good for those who love him. Do you love him? Then you need the reassurance that God plans good for you. And this is part of it for those who have been called according to his purpose. And James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And John 15.10, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And to John 1.6, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Now, his command that you walk in love is not just that I really feel happy and I draw heart pictures everywhere. Uh, it's, it's not just that. We will be happy as we obey. We will be happier than we've ever known. Love is not just a warm and fuzzy feeling. It's being obedient. God desires our obedience because it blesses us. 
as well as accomplishes his plans. So I'd like to look at discipleship as a benefit. So Jesus was very direct when he called his followers to be disciples. He's straight talking with us too. But we need to see Jesus' call to discipleship as having great benefits. Becoming a fully committed disciple, as against uh, Barclay's term of being just a follower, a camp follower. Becoming a fully committed disciple obviously benefits others, but it benefits us too. And as we align ourselves with God's will, as taught by Jesus, we find, we discover a beautiful love for and with God beyond our past experiences. Because when we focus on God's plan, when we are truly disciples, we move beyond our past experiences. We move beyond our past limitations. We have a love for others, for other believers, that brings a peace and a purpose to our lives. And a love for the lost that brings incredible purpose to our own lives. We grow in maturity and steadfastness. We transform into the people God envisaged us to be from the very beginning. We discover new depths of connection with God. How wonderful is that? In the process of being a disciple, really being a disciple, we have a much greater, much deeper connection with God himself. His love was always there, of course, but we discover it in the process of being fully committed disciples, rather than simply part of church culture. And here are three benefits. Discipleship builds humility, number one. We might be think, tempted to think that we know what is best for ourselves. And one of the greatest things that we learn in the Christian life is that we should depend on God, that we don't always know what's right. We might, Scripture says, actually be more confused than we think we are. It tells us the heart is deceitful. Wise counsel from a friend, a pastor or a spouse will be a, will just the good thing for our protection. Proverbs says that a wise man will hear and learn and will acquire wise counsel. Do you realize that's part of discipleship? Submitting ourselves to that. That comes from Proverbs 1.5. So we can safely assume that an unwise man or woman will not hear from others, will shut them down, will not listen, will lack understanding and will not acquire wise counsel. We need to resist the temptation to be wise in our own eyes, Proverbs 3, 7 says. The fact is, we don't always know what's best. Secondly, discipleship unites us with fellow believers. The body of Christ isn't meant to simply exist for us to gather together on Sundays and then move along with our own lives the rest of the week. God's word against that, paints a picture of believers doing life together. And we see that in Acts 2, 44 to 47. 
And isn't it wonderful that we do have, beyond the meeting that we have here today, that we have small groups, that we have the men's shed, that we have other things, you know, we have mainly music, which is having great success. Isn't it wonderful that we have that, where we link together? So we're not just parallel to one another, but we interact with one another, supporting one another, challenging one another, and learning from one another. Discipleship is one way to invite others into your life. Most of the time, people won't know the details of your life unless you're willing to share it with them. And that means being a little transparent. Being willing to be discipled by another person provides an opportunity for prayer and for mutual encouragement. Galatians 6, 2 and 1 Thessalonians 5.11. We are members of his body, which is the church. Ephesians 5.30. Number three, discipleship equips us for faithfulness. In Titus 2, Paul says, discipleships makes us more faithful and more steadfast and more sane people. Do we want to be more sane people? Life often throws things up against us where we might be tempted to be not so faithful and not so steadfast and maybe a little insane at times. But in Titus 2, we were told, we were told that we will be, through discipleship, we will become more faithful, more steadfast and, and more sane people. And, and it isn't a mere suggestion, it is God's instruction for how we should relate to one another. It's yet another proof that we need one another. We can't obey the commands in Titus 2 without being willing to be discipled and also to disciple other people. John Tyson, an Australian pastor now leading missional organisations in the US, and one of them is Verge, which I've shared with group leaders over the over the time I've been here, reminds us that if we are not discipling others, then we are allowing the world to disciple us. Have you, do you realise that? If we're not going forward, then the world is pushing us back. And the Bible, you know the verse, I'm sure, says, do not be put into the world's mould. One of the ways that we are not forced into the world's mould is to be a true disciple. And then we will be going forward. We will be discipling others and being discipled. You see, the non-Christian world, as Tyson says, is constantly trying to disciple us. The world has a discipleship program. And it's very, very active. And Tyson says, it's trying to push us from faith to doubt. It's trying to push us from love to insecurity. And therefore, for example, to, to do things that pander to our ego or our needs. It's trying to disciple us and push us from community to individualism. And may I say 
But if we allow that to happen, it pushes us into loneliness and into isolation and into distrust. Don't let that happen. Be a full-on disciple and push back. It's trying to push us, he says, from contributing to consuming the world of it's all about me. And that's very insidious because even if we think we're not all about me, the current world that we live in is all about me. <laughs> and if we let it come into our lives, it will push us that way. And he says it's also pushing us from resting in God to exhaustion. And so many Christians are, are in that place where even as they do things for God, they're exhausted because they have not really become a disciple. They're just busy. And if they're a disciple, they're like Jesus. And Jesus sought the Father to say, what should I really be doing? And the other things don't rate so highly. So finally, let us experience the benefits of seeking wise advice and becoming wise ourselves. Let's do to get our life together as believers and push one another, push one another forward in our faith and our relationship with Jesus. Let's dig into the depths of faithfulness as we are advised in the letter of Titus. Let us become so enthused with Jesus that we share God's saving message wherever we go. Let's take discipleship seriously, discipling others and growing ourselves as we do so. It takes a conscious decision. It takes encouraging one another, so please do. It takes getting involved in a group. It takes meeting beyond just simply Sundays. I just want to finish with a personal note. When I came to Erin Baptist in 2016, it was for a two-year term. Um, there was the expectation that it might be longer, but that hasn't happened, obviously. Um, and over these years, I've become involved in many areas of ministry, um, as well as playing a, a supportive part to Pastor Joel. Activities have mainly included preaching, pastoral counselling, leading the pastoral care team, leading a small groups, uh, speaking regularly at Tarragal Glen Retirement Village, um, being a chaplain to the guy at the men's shed, uh, being a vision keeper for discipleship, that's why you heard me talk about it so much, um, on the advisory board with the, AC, with the New South Wales Baptists, and I've visited hospitals and other places many, many times, and in fact, that's where I've got to know many of you best, <laughs> because uh, uh, that's, where, that's where some of us really connected, because uh, you know, we were in bad situations and we needed to walk along together as disciples of Jesus Christ. And I've supported people through many big events in life. What have I appreciated about this time? Well, I love the people here. I genuinely love all of you here. That's sincere. Um, I love this church's commitment to the word of God and prayer and care. 
I've appreciated your friendliness and sense of community. I've enjoyed the music ministry and it's got better and better and better. Uh, the church has an excellent leadership team and I've been a privilege, it's been a privilege to be part of that team. Over the years I've been both a senior pastor and an associate. Um, and so uh, I've seen many different situations. I've seen the good and I've seen the bad and I've seen the, the big and the small. But I have no hesitation in recommending the church here at Erina to anyone who looks for a church. I believe Erina Baptist has a promising future, uh, especially under the guidance of Pastor Joel. And I'm praying about the next stage and I, I hope you'll support me as I seek God's will for myself. Um, but please note that because of the fact that it was God's time for us to be together, uh, that I'll be praying for you in the future that you individually and as a church will also be discovering God's will. And so the message is on discipleship. Please commit yourself to being a, a disciple in the fullest sense and please be intentional about it. You'll be not only fulfilling a commandment but you'll also be blessed beyond belief. So thank you.